Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Oh, thanks mom. My mom's here. Southside Church online and in person. So glad to be with you today. As we continue this journey through the New Testament Gospel of John, we're turning to John chapter six today. And what we're gonna see is that God inspired John to record the events surrounding the most famous lunch in all of human history. And what I wanna do is I wanna use this story to kind of serve as a centerpiece to a three-part seasonal series launching today. So John chapter six, starting at verse one. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's, not, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same thing with a fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, this is the prophet for sure. God's prophet right here in Galilee. I wanna talk about this story in a three-part sermon series from three different perspectives. I wanna talk about the story from the perspective of the crowd, the crew, when I say the crew, I mean Jesus' disciples, and the kid. The kid who gave up his lunch. The crowd, the crew, and the kid. I wanna talk about how Jesus renewed the wonder of the crowd, how he renewed the peace of the crew, and how he renewed the hope for the little boy. It's a big deal, you know? A few minutes ago, Leah asked us to write down some names. It's funny for me, because sometimes as a pastor, people see me coming, you know, like, oh, you know, every time they swear, sorry, sorry, Mike, sorry, I swore. So they see me coming with the Christmas invitations, but you know what? I'm handing them out again this year. I'm inviting people again this year because people need to know the wonder and the peace and the hope that only comes through Jesus. It's funny because around here we talk about this phrase a lot. Maybe you've heard it. We sang it a few minutes ago actually. The best is yet to come. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And yet, if you have no wonder, if you have no peace, if you have no hope, that's meaningless. At best, it's meaningless. At worst, it's offensive. So let's really pray, starting with us, actually, that God would renew our wonder and our peace and our hope this year and that he would use our efforts to help others do the same. 
So there's about 20,000 people gathered there that day. You say, didn't the story say 5,000, Mike? It did, but remember back in this day, they only counted men. So men, women, and children would have been about 20,000 people. <clears throat> and they were following Jesus because they wanted him to do cool stuff. This is a guy that had turned the water into wine. This is a guy who made lame people walk, dying people live. They were hoping that Jesus would do some cool stuff. Now, the people in the crowd that day might not have articulated it this way, but what they were really looking for is the same thing that you and I are looking for today. They were looking for wonder. Anne Lamont once said that out of all the prayers that we pray, you can really boil them down to three basic prayers. Out of all the prayers that you and I pray, they can really be boiled down to three basic prayers. Help me, thank you, and wow. Help me, thank you, and wow. Wow is wonder. I heard somebody define wonder this week as spontaneous praise. Spontaneous praise. Wow is a sense of, whoa, that's so cool. Wow is a sense of spontaneous praise. It's a sense of wonder. And I would suggest to you today that it's not supposed to be the exception to our lives, that once every 17 years I feel a bit of wonder inside of me. Whoa, where did that come from? It's actually supposed to be the environment that I live in, that you live in. Wow, it's a sense of wonder. It's how we're supposed to live. Three types of prayers. Help me, thank you, and then wow. It's interesting because that first prayer, the help me prayer, that's a prayer of faith, isn't it? Help me is a prayer of, wow, look at that angel. She's got a halo and everything. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. I'm ADHD and that threw me off, but I still loved it. It was so worth it. You're welcome, you're welcome. You're so welcome. Can I have one? <laughs> She's like, okay, shut up now, Mike, that's enough. We had, the, we had our moment, it's over now. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, help me is a prayer of faith, isn't it? Because you say, God, I feel alone in this world, I feel outnumbered in this universe, and yet I believe that you can help me. I believe that you will help me, so I ask you to do just that. God, please help me. It's a prayer of faith. And then thank you is obviously a prayer of gratitude. You know, that we take the time after we pray, help me, and then God comes through. We go, oh, stop, before I move on with my life. Thanks, God. I asked you to help, and you did. And I would suggest to you that if you take faith plus gratitude, you end up at wonder. That if you take faith plus gratitude, you end up at wonder. I gotta tell you though, wonder is tough. This is the time of year that we're all looking for it, you know? Presents and parties and food and drink and all of that stuff. But often I come out of the holiday season with one of two thoughts. Thought number one is, that wasn't really that great. It wasn't as great as I was hoping it would be. Or thought number two is this, that was amazing. And now it's over. You know, only 360 more days to Christmas, right? And you start the whole thing over again. And yet what I want to suggest to you is that God created you and created me so that this spontaneous praise, this wow, this wonder, it's not an exception, but it's the environment that we live in. It's an everyday thing, but I'm not great at it. I was way better as a little kid. I remember my best buddy growing up was Grant King. 
We lived in this subdivision of acreages about 20 minutes northwest of Red Deer, Alberta. And one day, Grant and I were riding our bikes on this road that connected all the acreages. And Grant says, Mike, did you see that? I said, see what? He said, look. And there was a garage door. with The, 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 the door was open about two feet. And so we got down, and I'm looking down, and the whole garage was full of arcade games. This is incredible. This is so amazing. And so being Grant and Mike, we walked up to the garage door and we were banging on this metal garage door. Excuse me, excuse me. And so finally the guy comes out and we're like, why do you have a garage full of arcade games? He's like, well, that's what I do, I fix them. We said, do you, do you need testers? <laughs> he laughed and he said, yeah, yeah, I do actually, but don't tell any of your friends. And so we called him after that grant and I called him Mr. Arcade. And we would go over to Mr. Arcade's house every night and we played video games. You gotta understand, this was back in the day before Xbox, before PlayStation, before Nintendo. The only way you could play video games back then is follow your mom to the store and beg her to give you a quarter. And if she did, you would go to the arcade game, you would plug in the quarter, and you never played, so you were terrible. Three lives, 37 seconds, gone, over. Back to your mom asking for another quarter. Not at Mr. Arcade's. He had like the coin boxes open, and you could just flick that little lever, credit, credit, credit. Oh, it was just a feeling of power and raw wonder. I don't know, I don't feel that way often anymore. And I'm not saying the secret is, hey, you know what? We all gotta get back into Space Invaders. That would solve all our deepest, darkest problems. I'm not saying that. Faith plus gratitude equals wonder. Faith plus gratitude equals wonder. It's weird because suicide rates keep climbing in developing countries. And they keep climbing faster in developed countries. In fact, the more affluent the country, the faster suicide rates are climbing. I heard a sociologist explain it this way. She said, boredom for the affluent Western world is no longer a moment, but it's become for many a way of life. And therefore, despair is no longer a moment. Despair itself has become a way of life. G.K. Chesterton said it this way, the world will never starve for want of wonders, but only for want of wonder. It's really profound. There's all sorts of stuff out here. But if I don't sort out a sense of wonder in here, it's not gonna help. I can give you, you know, you know like, we could have taken the contents of Mr. Arcade's garage and I, I could fit thousands of them in on your phone today. It's not about wonders, it's about this sense of wonder inside of me, how do I get there? Faith plus gratitude, faith plus gratitude. If you would have gone, to, gone up to 19 year old me and said in the August of my 19th year and you said this to me, hey, do you remember that girl that you made eye contact with? I would have said, yep, I do. And I made eye contact with her in June. This is August, I would have said, yep. And the thing is, I, saw lo I made eye contact with lots of girls between June and August, but if you would have said, do you remember the girl you made eye contact with? I would have gone, yep, I know exactly who you mean. Because there was this girl, I was walking down the sidewalk in Red Deer, Alberta, and I saw this girl, we made eye contact, and I thought to myself, that's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. 
So if you would have said to me, hey, do you remember the girl you made eye contact with? I would have gone, yeah, here's the thing, Mike, you're not gonna believe this. In a couple weeks, you're gonna move to a place called Langley, Langley, BC, and she's gonna be there. And you're gonna meet her again. And not only that, you're gonna date her. And when you date her, you're gonna realize that she's way more beautiful on the inside even than she is on the outside. And she's gonna become your best friend. So much so that one time after you guys are dating, you're gonna blurt out, you remind me of Grant King. (laughs) And she's not even gonna dump you. She's gonna think it's kinda cool. And then you're gonna get married. And your marriage is gonna start out okay. But you're gonna be married for 30 years and it's gonna keep getting better and better and better and better. Back in August of my 19th year, if you would've told me that, you know what I would've said? Wow. Wow. See, I have no problem with faith today. I have no problem believing that my wife, Corinne, is God's gift to me. I do have a problem with gratitude, however. I do. I look at my marriage, which is so amazing, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's just life. That's what my life is. Or if you would have come to me when I was 25 years old and you would have said, Hey, you're going to have six kids. I wouldn't have believed it, okay, first of all. But, but, but you're going to have six kids, and they're all going to be amazing, incredible. And then you're going to have three kids in law who are maybe even more amazing. Uh, no, not quite. Not, not, not quite as amazing, okay. And then you're going to have two grandkids. And every once in a while, they're all going to get together in one place. You know why? Because they actually all like each other. And it's going to be chaotic and messy and crazy, but so, so awesome. I would have looked at you and I would have said, wow. Wow. I'm not so sure today. See, I have no problem with faith. I believe that my family is God's gift to me. I got a bit of a problem with gratitude, though. You ask me about my family, and I just kind of say this. Well, that's just my life. It's good. Faith plus gratitude equals wonder. Faith plus gratitude equals wonder. About five weeks ago, we were getting together and we were talking about the fact that two Christmases ago, we were in the middle of a pandemic. What a dark time that was. For so many people in our city, it was just a dismal, dismal Christmas. And we got together and we thought as a staff, as a leadership, man, like how can we bring a little bit of light into a city that's really dark and discouraged this Christmas. And we came up with this thing called the Wonder drive through Hundreds of thousands of lights, thousands of volunteer hours, and 12,000 people came through. And it helped just a little bit. It brought a little bit of light to some people who needed it. It was awesome. And then last Christmas, well, there was a flood. And this church became like a pivotal spot for flood relief efforts. Help and volunteers came pouring in and then came pouring out to a city that desperately needed it. So about five weeks ago, we're sitting around going, man, at least it's not a pandemic this year, you know? At least we don't have a flood. And God tapped me on the shoulder. He said, stop. Think. And so I did. And I felt like God said to me, There might not be a pandemic this year. There might not be a tragedy that made the news this year, but here's what you need to know, Mike. All around this city, in individual homes and individual lives, there's trauma playing out. There's tragedies playing out. There's crisis playing out. So much so, in fact, God inspired me, inspired us to do the most 
the biggest thing that we've ever done, which is all is bright 2022. So we met our commitments to all of our regular part- partners, the, hey man, the, it was so good up till now, the, so you missed, but the, the next part's gonna be good too, I promise, okay. So, so we still met all of our commitments, $70,000 to the Abbotsford Oncology Department, the Chilliwack Maternity Ward, the Pregnancy Care Center, but in addition to that, we wanted to, to, to raise $250,000 to make sure that no single parent family went without Christmas and that no child in Chilliwack went without a Christmas present this year. The thing you gotta understand about Southside, though, is what we don't do, what many churches do, and, and it's fine, we just don't do it this way. We don't say, hey, we got a goal. The goal is to bring in $250,000. So if you would all give, we can meet that goal. We don't do that. As soon as we set a goal, we write the check, it's gone. The money is spent. So the $250,000 was spent. I had a few people come up to me and go, you gotta stop doing that. You know, you gotta stop doing that because once in a while the money isn't gonna come in and the church is gonna fold. I'm like, I doubt it, but if we do, what a way to go. What a, what a, what a way to go, right? So yeah, okay, okay. It's funny because $250,000 was the annual budget of the church when I started here as youth pastor. We had three weeks to raise it. So um, we, we talked about it because I know you. I know who you are. And I knew what would happen. I knew that God would move in your heart and you would step up. So anyways, we get to November 26th and all kinds of money has, has, has come in. The staff came together and, and we made our staff commitment of what we wanted to give. One of the things I always tell the staff when we commit, I say the same thing. Hey, let's all give so that if everybody who called Southside Church home uh, followed our same degree of sacrifice, we would meet every single goal. And so I know Dave got up here and said that the staff gave 15% of the overall goal. To put that in perspective, what it means is that if every single person who called Southside Church home gave to the same degree as the staff gave, we wouldn't raise $250,000. We'd raise $3 million, okay? So it was awesome. So, so I felt like the staff was really leading. We're smoking what we're selling, so to speak, okay? So, <laughs> welcome to Southside. Okay, so, so, so I get to November 26th, all is bright night, you know? So, Cool, a thousand people here in the building and we're all wrapping hampers and we're wrapping presents and, and, and our family was there and we're wrapping and Corinne kept sending me on these errands. Okay, Mike, I need you to go get this one thing. And so I would go, but as soon as I started walking away, I would end up bumping into somebody I knew and I would have a conversation and I would forget all about what I was supposed to do. So I would come back and go, hey, Corinne. And she would say, hey, Mike, did you do the thing? And I'm like, oh, the thing. No, I didn't do the thing. And it happened like three or four times. She got a little annoyed with me. So near the end of the night, she kind of grabbed me. She said, we're almost done. And I just need you to step up. I got one more thing for you to do, okay? This is your big chance to come through. Okay, I need you to go get some cards. We're gonna fill out some cards on these presents and these hampers. I need you to go get them. I said, aye, aye, Captain Crunch, you can depend on me. I'm going, so I leave and I take about seven steps and this lady, this south sider walks up to me and she says, I need five minutes of your time. And I said, no. I did, I said, no. And she's like, what? I'm like, I can't. 
I can't give you five minutes. And I know that might make you mad, but I'm more scared of my wife than I am of you, okay? It's like, I have, I have to come through. I have to step up. And so she's like, well, I just, I just need you to grab Dave Poole and, 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 and come to me and give me five minutes. I'm like, I can't. I honestly can't. I'm like, if you have a prayer that you want prayed for, I can pray for it right now. It'll be a pretty quick prayer, but, I, but powerful, okay? I, whatever you need, but I can't give you five minutes. She's like, I just need you to find Dave Poole and give me five minutes. I'm like, I can't. I can't. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to continue my errand, and what I need you to do is you find Dave Poole, and then you find me after I've delivered the cards to my wife. So she did. And she talked about the fact that I had the opportunity to pray for her and, and we had the opportunity to pray for their family years ago for healing and for health and for provision and for direction. And, and she's talked about how she's seen God answer those prayers in incredible ways, which is so cool, you know? And so she said, we came together as a family this year and we decided that we really wanted to step up and help out a little bit with All is Bright. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. And so she started rustling around her purse she said, there's a check in here somewhere. And so she found it, and she pulled it out, and it was a check for $250,000. And my first thought, my first thought, my absolutely first thought, listen to this. Looked at the check, looked around the building, and I thought, every one of these presents represents a kid who really needs help. Every one of these hampers represents a family that really needs help. So this $250,000, it's just a drop in the bucket. There's so much more to be done. That was my first thought. Now I know there's part of that that's good that you don't want to be like, we, we've arrived, you know, we're, we're never going to do anything again. This is just such an amazing moment. But as I was writing this sermon, I felt God go, wait, what? I'm like, well, God, I, I knew you would come through. You always come through. I wasn't surprised at all. He says, Mike, you don't have to be surprised to be grateful. You don't have to be surprised to be grateful. You don't have to be surprised to be grateful. You can have all the faith in the world, and that's a good thing. But you need to add to your faith gratitude, Mike. Or if you don't, you're going to find yourself living a life with very little wonder. Every church leader in the world other than me would never tell that story from the stage. They wouldn't. And here's why. And they wouldn't tell the story because what a church leader would tell you, don't ever tell a story about two, a $250,000 check because if you do, what's everybody going to think? I don't got to. I don't got to give. I don't got to give. Someone, someone cut a check for 250G. I don't got to give. Yeah, but I love that. Don't you love that? Because I don't ever want to be the church that's standing up here saying, you got to give. What a weird thing to say. Like, you understand, like, the, the same Jesus that showed up at the most famous lunch in all of human history, he's still alive and well and working today. He still comes to little boys and little girls like me and like you, and he says, hey, why don't you give me five loaves and two fish and watch what I'll do with it. I'm gonna feed a bunch of people and then at the end, we're gonna gather 12 baskets of leftovers. I don't want people to give because they gotta give. I want people to give because they get to because we're so full of wonder, so full of faith and gratitude that we just can't help it. You know, 
A few weeks ago, Leah Dirksen came to me and she said, man, I, I really feel like God has given me a word for this next season at Southside. And man, I really believe it's true. The word that she feels, that I feel, that God has given us is this. Into the darkness we go. Into the dark. Hey, what are your plans for 2023? Where are you headed? Into the darkness we go. What are your goals? 2023, into the darkness we go. See, Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Into the darkness we go. Like never before, 2022 was amazing. 2023 is going to be incredible. Into the darkness we go. But I believe that to shine light into desperate, dark situations in 2023, we need to bring something along with us, and that is a sense of wonder. Faith plus gratitude equals wonder. Faith plus gratitude equals wonder. I'm gonna give you three kind of practical steps to renew our wonder. Get, get outside, get together, and get back. Get outside, get together, and get back. First of all, you should get outside. We're gonna sing a song in a few minutes. It's a song of wonder. It's a song of spontaneous praise. It's a song of wow. It's a pretty old song. It's called How Great Thou Art. And I love the way it starts because it says, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds your hand has made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, your power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my savior God to thee, how great thou art. Get outside. If you really don't wanna get outside, after this service, go up to the main mezzanine and look east. And say, wow. We live in the most beautiful place of the planet, you know? I don't think we look at the mountains and worship them any more than these people were worshiping the bread and the fish. But remember, there's an artist behind that artistry. There's a master behind that masterpiece, you get it? That should fuel your faith, and then your gratitude will be fueled because you'll remember that same artist is right behind you. He thought you up. That same master is behind you, and you're a masterpiece created by him. Get outside. Get together. Get together. The church. The New Testament is full of, uh, <clears throat> full of instruction that we should gather, that we should get together. It really made me think, you know, like when we get together, whether you're online or in person right now, I think there's like a huddle up and then head out. Huddle up and then head out. Huddle up and then head out. It's important to huddle up. It's important to huddle up. When we sing that song, how great thou art in a few minutes. I want to tell you something about you. You're going to be filled with wonder. Even more than if you sat in your car and sang it all by yourself. Not just because you're a crappy singer, but because there's something really great, because I'm terrible. Okay, there's something really great about being together. In fact, you know what will happen? This is crazy. They've done studies on this. As we sing that song together, our heart rates will sync up. One heart, one accord. 
So we got to huddle up and then head out together. Together. Where do we go? Where are we going in 2023? Oh, we're going to go together. Where? Into the darkness we go. We're going to serve together. We're going to give together. Why? Oh, we're headed into the darkness together. And it's beautiful because our Savior is still a Savior of 12 baskets of leftovers. Get outside, get together, and finally get back. So cool at the end of this story. He feeds the 20,000 people, and at the end of it, they're all looking, and they're going, wait a minute. I'm looking past the loaves. I'm looking past the leftovers. I'm looking past the fish. There's something about that, man. And I would say the same thing is still true today. There's something about Jesus. We need to get back to that. When I was a little kid, I remember there was this Christmas special that would come on every year. And there was one particular part of that Christmas special that I would wait for every year, every single year, because it filled me with wonder. I'm going to show it to you today. You're hopeless, Charlie Brown, completely hopeless. Rats. <laughs> You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Two things I always think when I see that. Number one, what a terrible dog Snoopy is, man. He's like, everyone's laughing at him. Snoopy's the worst. But the second thing is I remember being a little kid and there was something about that that filled me with wonder. See, what I want to suggest is that behind the presence and the people and the parties and the tinsel, and that's all good stuff, stands a savior. And his name is Jesus. And he alone, he alone can fill us with wonder. You know, every worldview, every philosophy, every religion, every theology, 
Every school of thought throughout all human history says this, if people like you and me, if we wanna get saved, we gotta earn it. We gotta climb, we gotta reach. Jesus alone stands among all theology, among all religion, among all schools of thought. Jesus said, you can't climb high enough, you can't reach far enough, so he came to us. He came to us while we were unable, he is able, he came for us. That's Christmas, you know? Years ago, there was a group of Americans taking, taken hostage in a hostile part of the world. They were held prisoner for three months. They were abused, they were threatened, they were beaten, they were broken. Finally, after three months of captivity, the army rangers launched a rescue attempt. They had all the right intel. They came in under the cover of darkness, silent helicopters below the radar. They landed, they took out the targets they needed to take out. They burst into the room where they knew that the prisoners were and they shouted out, we are American soldiers. We are here to set you free. Follow us. And none of them moved. They were so broken and so lost and so traumatized. None of them moved. They just huddled in the fetal position closer together. And so the rangers continued to shout, we are American soldiers. We are here to set you free. Follow us. And nobody moved. And now they only have 15 minute window to get out of there. And they're realizing the unthinkable might just happen. After all of this, they can't carry those people across the terrain that they need to cover. After all of this, after all the cost, after everything else, they might have to go home without them. Again and again, they repeat, we are American soldiers. We are here to set you free. Follow us. None of them moved until finally the captain, the leader of the group, took off his helmet, put his backpack on the floor, handed his rifle to the soldier standing beside him, and he lied down right next to the hostages. And in seconds that felt like hours, he waited until he whispered, I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. I love you. We gotta go. I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. I love you. We gotta go. I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. I love you. We gotta go. And one by one, the hostages shakily made their way to their feet. They followed their soldiers, followed the soldiers out of captivity into freedom. You understand? That's my story. That's your story. Jesus came to us. He's our friend. He's our savior. He faced our most fearsome enemy. Jesus faced death into the darkness he went, the darkest death imaginable death on a cross. He faced it for you and for me, and he defeated death. He rose again. See, all of that is powerful, but I want to tell you it's also personal because that same Jesus knows you. It's powerful, but it's also personal. That same Jesus knows you. He loves you. No matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, no matter how long you've been going to church, you need to know this. He loves you. 
If you were the only one in history who needed to be rescued, he would have come for you. If you were the only one in history who needed to be forgiven, he would have died for you. If you were the only one in history who needed to be, needed to be saved, he would have rose again for you. Let's get back to that. Let's get back to that this Christmas. Who is this man? Behind the tinsel, behind the trees, behind the presents, behind the parties, stands Jesus Christ, the Son of God, my rescuer, my redeemer, my savior and my king. And look to him this season, and the only word that I can think of is wow. Why don't you stand up as we close in song? Sings my soul. 
Jesus, we stand before you with a sense of faith, a sense of gratitude, and a sense of, wow. We look around this world, and we know that you are the master behind this masterpiece, and you thought us up. You have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. Thank you. We look in this room and online right now, and we thank you that you called us to this mission, to this church, to this place, and we gather together, and then we head out into the darkness we go, knowing that you went for us. But mostly, God, today, Jesus, we wanna say thank you. That you didn't wait around for us to reach up to you, but you came for us. You rescued us, you redeemed us. And I just ask that you would help us this year. Behind all the distraction, behind all the noise and the chaos, that we would be just like that group 2,000 years ago and say, who is this man? We love you, we thank you. We're filled with wonder today. In your name. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.